When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right. Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. We call our Friday edition the tailgate, but it is a football-less Saturday for the Oklahoma Sooners and for Sooner Nation. Good news, we have some hoops that we'll talk about. Oh, you had a nice win over Notre Dame in men's hoops this week. Got a big game coming up Saturday against Wichita State. We'll talk about that later with Jessica Cootie. Also, Sherry Cole's team breaks their losing skid. They beat Central Arkansas. They've got a big one coming up Sunday against DePaul. But obviously, a lot of eyes focused on the college football award season, and for good reason. The Sooners are looking to become the first school in college football history with back-to-back winners of the Heisman Trophy that both play the quarterback position. And Kyler Murray is in good shape to do so. The award's already starting to roll in for Kyler Murray as he took home the Davy O'Brien Award for the best quarterback in college football at the Thursday night. Home Depot College Football Awards Show. On behalf of the Davey O'Brien Foundation and the National Selection Committee, I'm proud to present the 2018 Davey O'Brien Award to Kyler Murray. Oklahoma's Kyler Murray is the fifth Sooner to win the award. OU now has the most Davey O'Brien Award winners by a single school. Back-to-back years, and OU now has five Davy O'Brien Award winners. Little OU Texas handshake. They were very, very gracious of you, Vince. <laughs> Kyler, congratulations. Now, you spent three seasons as not the man. You come in, and, and it seemed like you poured a whole lot of pent-up energy into this one season. How, how do you explain it? Uh, 
Man, yeah, it was a long time. It was tough uh, sitting out, but, you know, Coach Riley uh, getting to sit behind Bake and my teammates, they made it a lot easier. Yeah, share some of the, uh, the folks down here that have gone into this, helped you win this. You said what? Share some of the folks who are here with you and have supported you throughout the years and, and go into this award. Oh, man, my, my mom, my dad, uh, like I said, Coach Riley, uh, my coaches, my teammates. Wouldn't be standing up here if it wasn't for them, um, and I, I give all the thanks to them. You were told a lot of things. We, we had a sit-down earlier, the first ever face-to-face -face meeting with Tua, which was pretty cool. And you said that, you know, you got all this talent, but there have still been plenty of people throughout who have doubted you, who told you that, hey, you should pick baseball, not football. Yeah, um, for me, you know, I had a bad taste in my mouth after, you know, my freshman year. Uh, and I just felt like, you know, I've played this game my whole life, and I just couldn't leave. I couldn't leave football this way. So, uh, for me, it's been, a, it's been a fun year. It's been an incredible year, but, you know, we got some unfinished business, so. The O'Brien Award was initially given to the top player in the Southwest. It became a quarterback-only honor in 1981. Kyler becomes the fifth Sooner to take home the award. He joined Sam Bradford, Jason White, and Billy Sims. Jason White won it twice. Kyler already racking up the awards. He was named the AP Player of the Year earlier in the day. Of course, leads the nation in total yards, points responsible for a passing efficiency rating, yards per pass attempt, and yards per completion. So, a lot of coverage going on right now at Soonersports.com. You can follow Kyler's path. You can follow everything that's been going on around not just the college football awards, which as we tape this on a Thursday night, just wrapped up late on a Thursday night. Uh, and then, of course, all eyes on New York Saturday night. Right around 6 o'clock is when I think all the coverage will begin. So I hope they'll have the award in that hour announced, but we shall see. Regardless, Kyler Murray up for the Heisman Saturday night as a finalist. For those that I, I feel like I give this quote-unquote refresher maybe too often, but again, the Heisman Trophy, the ballots were due this past Monday. So unlike... Unlike the Maxwell Award and a couple of the other awards that were given out tonight, the Heisman Trophy, the votes weren't due until the Monday of this week. So obviously, or Monday of this week, I guess I should say. So obviously a really good opportunity, I think, for Kyler to still end up winning this award on Saturday night and make a little history in the process of doing so. You know, Chad McKee brought this up, and I hadn't even realized it. USC had back-to-back -back winners in when Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush won it, but of course, Reggie Bush isn't acknowledged as a winner anymore. Army had back-to-back -back winners in the 40s, but for the first time ever, you could have back-to-back -back quarterbacks win the award come Saturday night. Now, Obviously, we have a lot of football to get to. So coming up later in the show, in addition to the award show on Thursday night, in addition to Kyler winning the Davey O'Brien Award, we also had our man Ben Powers, first team All-American from the Walter Camp Football Foundation. What a great story Ben is. Hopefully, whenever the season wraps up, we'll get an opportunity to really sit down and go one-on-one -on -one with Ben. I mean, you talk about an incredible story from a guy that didn't have a scholarship offer who fought his way through the JUCO ranks, came to OU and has become not just an All-American, not just an All-Conference performer, but some think a top-five pick in the NFL draft. He's truly a special guy. So congratulations to Ben Powers. Also... We had the first press conference involving all four coaches that will be involved in the four-team playoff, from Nick Saban and Lincoln Riley to Dabo Sweeney and Brian Kelly. We'll give you that full press conference 
as we head out the door. So our final segment today will just be this 30-minute uninterrupted press conference. Audio, sometimes it's a little bit dicey, but I'll, I'll do my best to try to make it workable here to give you everything that Lincoln set and Nick Saban set so we can truly be ready for the playoffs come December 29th. And then, of course, sprinkle in a little bit of Clemson and Notre Dame. But right now, let's welcome in one of our favorites, Jessica Cootie. You can listen to all of her featured podcasts in the archives as well. We'll talk a little bit more about Kyler Murray. She had a really good one-on-one with Kyler that we'll talk about quite a bit. But we want to start with hoops, Jess, because I know you've been front and center for this great start for Lon Kruger's team. But, man, what a performance on Tuesday night and going out and getting that win over Notre Dame. Huge win for this team. Yeah, I mean, look, when – I've kind of said it like this whole year, but they've got to have Brady Manning scoring, you know, and he did. And um, with your money, without your money, yeah, Christian James is going to be a go-to, and and we've seen that, and he's got to continue to be. But they've got to have somebody else scoring too. And in my opinion, I felt like it's always got to be Brady Manning. They're they're a different looking team when when they've got two guys really hitting from the outside. Um, they've played really good defense. They've bought into that, and that's won them some games. And so, you know, th- when the scoring does come tough, they're they're going to be able to rely on that defense like we saw the other night against um, North Texas. You know, as the Coach Kruger said, it, you know, it, wasn't, it certainly won a pretty game. They didn't win by scoring a lot of points, but, um, you know, they found a way to win by relying on that defense. And they're going to – this team is going to have to continue to play good defense. Now, on the other side, the women's team needs to get back on track tonight. They've got Central Arkansas, but Jess, I was impressed with some of the talent that they have, and I I think this is just a matter of getting young pieces fit into places. Ana Anusa, uh, getting back healthy is going to be key for this. Shayna looks like she might be pressing just a little bit, but I really feel like the future is bright for this crew, this group that Sherry has right now. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I've maintained that all along, and that's what everyone, some people at Tudor Vision are kind of panicking. But, you know, it's, yes, they've lost some games, and, and I, I've, I've said that they were going to take some lumps just because they've got such a young team. They're still trying to figure some things out. They, without, you know, arguably their best player, um, you know, that's not only her, their best player as far as just what she brings to the court, but. Um, she's also, you know, their, their biggest leader. So, you know, it's just when you have such a young team and then your, your leader kind of goes out, that's tough. And so, um, you know, I think that luckily they'll get her back. You know, it's not like she's had the season ending injury. She's going to be back. And, um, you know, the, the freshmen are going to figure things out and yeah, they've taken some lumps, but I, I just, they're so talented and they're they're so young and they still are a team to be very excited about and you know not to mention they just signed a um, you know another top twenty recruiting last top fifteen recruiting class so you know yeah you you think this year you're still focusing on this year but you know the, the future is bright for Oklahoma basketball because of this group that they have here right now and you can see I mean you just you were with them in Auburn and you know yeah they're young and they lost but you can the talent when you watch them play that you know they're just they just got to figure some things out you're gonna be on the sideline sunday for the paul game right i am i'm excited that's a big one yeah the paul's pretty good uh from what i've been able to see and then of course uh a week from tonight 
a week from wait hold on no December 19th so we got a little it's a, it's uh let's see today is just the fifth so two weeks from tonight UConn coming to town and you know Jess you don't get opportunities to see a lot of marquee matchups like this now with that said Coach Cole schedules up. Coach Kruger schedules up. Joe C. and the football staff is always scheduled up. But this is something of a different burden whenever you get UConn coming to town next uh, in two weeks, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and look, it's it's kind of funny because I I, I guess I'll go ahead and say it here. I don't know how many people know this, but I, I was always a Sherry Cole and Oklahoma women's basketball fan growing up, even mm-hmm. when I was younger. But I was also a Pat Summit and Tennessee fan growing up, and um. So, uh, you know, that was back when they were really dominating. And so it's funny, like, my brother became a UConn fan because that's how my brother goes. He, like, picks a team, whoever his, like, friend or whoever he's going up against, he goes against, he goes with the other team instead of, like, going with the person, like, cheering with the person who's they're a fan of a team. He picks the team they're playing. So, like, you know, it was always Tennessee, so he became a UConn fan. But I say all that to say, like, my brother is, you know, a, a what he at the time he's a young teenager and he's a fan of UConn and has remained a fan of UConn you know well he's still a fan of Oklahoma but he's a fan of what UConn does so you know there's a lot of those people that have just maintained being appreciative of what UConn has done because obviously they've done things that no other team in the history of basketball have done your reaction to what you witnessed on Saturday and obviously an incredible performance by this team throughout the season yeah, and I think probably for me the biggest takeaway was not anything that happened during the game. It was kind of what the messaging was post-game. You know, I mean, you know, just hearing this team, these players talk about um, kind of what it meant to them, and, and there was lots of emotion. You know, I mean, um, Ben Powers was very emotional. When I when I talked to Kyler, he was I mean, he wasn't crying, but he was, you know, you could just hear the emotion in his voice. And it was just about every person that I talked to, Trey Brown, uh, Trey Norwood, Kenneth Murray, they were all, you could just tell how much, how much of a huge relief was lifted off their shoulders because that, that what they did on Saturday was not easy. You know, I mean, think about a team that's good and, and they have been good for a while. And I mean, what everybody wants to beat them, right? You have the target on your back. You hear that saying all the time. Well, so it's very hard, and Coach Riley has maintained that all year. It's very hard to just go back to back. It gets harder to go back to back to back. And then you throw in a four-peat in there, and it was not easy. And they had some adversity, and they had to come through some things and some tough challenges. And you could just feel the emotion that they had, like, winning that game and everything that they went through to to get there and, um, you know, just how relieved and, and kind of emotional they were about it. Now, moving moving forward, how did you feel? What was your take on the way that then the narrative played out afterwards? Were you confident that the Sooners were getting in? Were you concerned? Obviously, we were elated when it eventually happened. But just kind of what did you take away from that? It wasn't even quite 24 hours, but that post game into Sunday morning. I, I was confident. I really was confident. Even when people started talking about Georgia, I just, there's no way. I thought it was so stupid. Anybody had to, I had the argument about Georgia. I shouldn't say stupid, but I just, I didn't think there was any way possible that the committee was going to do that twice. And especially putting in a two loss team. Um, they weren't going to open Pandora's box with that. I just don't think, you know, if they were ready for it, um, the, the sports ready for it, the playoff is ready for it. I just, I mean, it's, it, 
I, I, I agree with, um, who was it that was, I guess it was Chris Fowler and, um, Reese Davis that were saying, look, a conference championship winning has got to matter or else, I mean, just because you have a good-looking roster and your roster is full of talent and you might look like you have the best team, you can't go losing two games and still expect to be playing for a national title. I'm sorry, but that's not how this thing works. So conference championships have to matter. Winning has to matter. Winning has to matter. So, yeah, I, I just, like, felt very strongly that the committee would make the right choice and put in a conference champion. And I just felt there was no way at all Ohio State could have jumped Oklahoma after they had put them where they were and then Oklahoma beat Texas, who's higher ranked than Northwestern. You know, um, that's the one loss that they, they had uh, had on their schedule. I just did not feel like there was any way possible that Ohio State jumped Oklahoma. So I felt pretty confident going into Sunday. Me too. I mean, me too. I I was nervous, don't get me wrong, and I don't think I truly felt good, Jess, until I saw the name pop up, and I – I let out quite the tribal yell in my hotel room, which may have scared everyone within shouting distance of me. Um, but and, and I love the idea of getting to play Bama. I agree with everyone that's paid attention this year. I think the Sooners' offense can give Bama's defense problems. Now, listen, Bama's offense is really something else. And with their new offensive coordinator, Mike Loxley, it'll be interesting to see what that challenge is going to be like with him taking the Maryland job. And, you know, if Dan Enos just slides in as their co-OC and takes over things and Nick Saban lets Loxley go on to coach in Maryland. But I'll tell you what, Jess, I think the Sooners are going to be able to move the ball against this really good defense. I do, too. And, you know, I've said this all along. I, I kind of feel like that Oklahoma is probably going to be the toughest matchup for Alabama other than with the two other teams in the college football playoff. I just feel like with the offense, I mean, it's, it's hands down. You keep hearing it over and over, the historically best offense that they've had. Alabama's faced, um, you know, some teams with some good offenses that um, are maybe more on par, I feel like, with Notre Dame and Clemson. Um, but no, they have not seen an, they have not seen a Kyla Murray. So I, I, I just think – and, you know, it's funny because I, I saw a lot of tweets when, um, you know, the uh, Kirby Smart was saying, you know, you can ask Nick Saban. He doesn't want to see Georgia again. And, you know, a lot of uh, former OU players are like, well, I guarantee you he doesn't want to see Kyla Murray. So, you know, it, it's um, – I kind of think that it's it's just you just can't prepare for them, and that's the one thing that you just hear over and over and over. No matter who I'm talking to, whenever I because we you know we started the Heisman campaign back I feel like in September. No, I'm just kidding. In October, <laughs> late October, you know when we started asking people about Kyler and what makes him different, and it's you know players that have played defensive players. It's just they you cannot simulate it. It doesn't matter if you have the very athletic guy on your team that could you know kind of see it there's just no way to simulate it so um it's it's very hard to prepare for what he does and and i think he's got a pretty big um pretty big motivation Uh, you know i i think for him it's kind of settling in that um it's kind of we're getting towards the end it's been so fast and such a whirlwind and you know he won the job i mean he got drafted and he won the job and it's just been like you know go win and go win and go win and i kind of feel like talking with him it's kind of starting to sink in um that, you know, he's been so focused on the task at hand and what's next and winning the next game that maybe he hasn't really sat back and reflected, like, okay, at best I've got two games left um, playing college football probably. So I think that's kind of starting to sink in for him. I think he's going to be – I think he's going to 
played just as well, if not better. I think he might find another level. And um, I think he's very, very highly motivated to help this team win a national title. So I, it'll be it'll be fun to see how he kind of handles this whole whirlwind of the next few weeks. You know, Jess, I thought it was pretty cool when he answered your question about the lifelong dream. And one thing I've dug about Kyler, and I think I made the mistake of saying, I know I know individual awards don't matter as much to you. And he's time he goes, oh, no, no, no. I, I want to win the Heisman, which was still one of my favorite moments ever. But whenever you asked him why, and he talked about the video game, I thought that was awesome from your interview on Monday night. Yeah, when he like looked at me and was like, you could tell he was like gonna maybe like answer it, and then he said, "Well, actually, you know, it's funny. Um, it's because of the video game." And I just kind of started laughing. But yeah, I mean, and then just it's just I I vote for the kids of the generation that you know played NCAA college football, where that and that's what he was saying is that you know, you start playing this video game and the goal is to create your player and to win a Heisman, right? And so, like, that's where it kind of started is he created this player and he wanted to win the Heisman and, like, legitimately, I want to win the Heisman. And obviously, there are things that go along with it, but, yeah, it was was really funny when I couldn't believe he said that. I mean... It was awesome, as you know, that he answered it that way. But I, w- I was, I guess, kind of laughing that you know he he and was like, well, you know, to be honest, it's because he back in the video game, he wanted your guy to win the Heisman. So yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. Hey, I know we're gonna have a lot of time to talk about it between now and December 29th. So uh, we get a chance to really go in depth on Alabama today during our film room show. But Jess, just a final thought. I mean, I know I'm not just saying this because you're on. But I don't think people realize how much work goes in behind the scenes and from your perspective because you start working on features today. You have basketball games that you're covering. And actually, you've probably been working on features longer than today, shooting stuff from Saturday. But can you take us through just how fun and how wild that week is whenever you finally get to Miami around, what, the 23rd or 22nd? Well, it's a lot of work. I can tell you that. I mean, we do. We're going to be preparing for five shows that we do um, every um, every day leading up. And then we have our game day show. So we'll have four practice report shows we'll do from the practice site. And then we'll do um, a game day show. And, so, and then not to mention, on top of that, we're following the team everywhere to do coverage, like online, on .tv, on um, you know, our social media platforms. So, um, you know, we're, we're extremely busy, and um, we're kind of taking it day one day at a time trying to get prepared for game day as well. But it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I feel like um, it's crazy to think, you know, you Oklahoma now has been in the college football playoffs three of the last four years. And it's, um, you know, it's kind of – I was thinking this the other day, I mean – what's it like to not have to interview Heisman finalists? Right. And what's it like to not win Big 12 titles? And what's it like to not play for national championships? You know, it's um, it's kind of been uh, remarkable how Oklahoma has, has uh, how much they've won in the in recent past that I've, I've been covering this team. So um, I feel like, you know, even though this, this, this team is young, because really if you still think about it, there's still a lot of very young players on this team. But they know how to handle it, you know. And so, and I, and talking to Kenneth Murray, you know, we all know his story about how he watched the game film from the Rose Bowl over a, uh, what close to 150 times, and how much that kind of fueled him during the offseason. And um, you know, just I think just knowing and and understanding, even for those 
those freshmen that were there last year that because you know they'd missed the one year in between and so you know get, getting more players that have had that experience of being in the college football playoff and understanding how to handle their business and I, I just feel like there's a different there's going to be a different kind of approach and, and um, even though there was a year separated in between there's going to be more players on this team now that know what it's like to go to a college football playoff and and to have played in this game so I, I just feel like there will there will be um, you know even though they've know know how to handle it know how to win there's it's even better to have now to have last year under your belt as you move forward and, and try to win it this year so like I said it's going to be it's a different team there's no Baker and you know seeing that if the year the last two games that Kyler plays and or one game if they don't win and and you know the younger players that have now had the experience it's going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds for the next three weeks and how they kind of handle it all for sure so there you go good stuff from jessica cootie good follow on twitter at jessica cootie and of course her features are outstanding you can find the featured podcast in our archives at soonersports.tv slash podcast all right let's wrap this up with a little fun all of the coaches involved in the four-team playoff sat down for a press conference earlier on Thursday. We start by hearing from Nick Saban. Let's begin with the coaches participating in the playoff semifinal at the Orange Bowl. To my immediate left, please welcome Nick Saban. Coach, welcome. Thank you so much. It's certainly an honor and a privilege for um, our team, our players, our coaches, the people involved in our organization to be involved in the college football playoff um, this year. Uh, I'd first of all like to congratulate uh, the coaches here with me uh, for the great team and the great year that their teams were able to have. Uh, we certainly uh, have a tremendous challenge in playing Coach Riley and um, the Oklahoma Sooners uh, who have a great tradition and a great program and certainly one of the most prolific offensive teams that I've seen in recent times and their defense has certainly made a lot of plays uh, in critical times in the games that have helped them win some uh, close one. So um, this is a tremendous privilege. We've been here before, and this is one of the great venues in sports uh, to be a part of. And uh, we feel very proud to be here with um, some other very, very good programs that have great traditions. Great. Thank you. Next, please welcome Lincoln Riley. Uh, yeah, it's a great honor to be to be back here. Uh, I think, you know, the guys here, we all realize how hard it is just to get to this point, the college football playoff is a dream for everybody at the start of the season. But the fact is, there can only be four. And it takes a lot, a lot of people, a lot of hard work. Uh, very proud of our players, our staff, everybody involved with Oklahoma football to, to get back here and have a have another chance here in the college football playoff. Uh, certainly looking forward to to playing. You know, Alabama. They've had an historic run with one of the greatest coaches of all time here in Coach Saban. So uh, we couldn't possibly have any more respect for them. The way they play going to certainly be a great challenge, but one that, that we're very much looking forward to. So uh, thank you so much for having us. We'll now turn it over to the coaches participating in the playoff semifinal at the Cotton Bowl. Please welcome Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, an honor to be back here uh, and represent our team and our staff. Uh, this is something that uh, we have a great appreciation for uh, and, and what it takes to get here. Uh, but. Uh, uh, congratulations to these teams and these coaches as well. Uh, we're excited about going to the Cotton Bowl. Uh, I've never, I've never been to the Cotton Bowl, and I think, uh, I think it was Clemson's first bowl ever, 1939. So uh, it's been a long time since Clemson's been there, and and obviously I have an opportunity to compete against, uh, you know, one of the most historic programs in all of college football, and and uh, with Notre Dame and, and, and Coach Kelly. So 
uh, just uh, look forward to a, a, a great matchup and, uh, you know, just just hopefully uh, uh, a great experience for our players and appreciate all that the college football playoff people do in putting this on. I know there's an enormous amount of work that goes in to, to make this a great experience for everyone involved, so appreciate that as well. All right, next, please welcome Brian Kelly. Well, it's certainly an honor uh, for the University of Notre Dame to be part of uh, – you know, this great group of coaches and, and certainly teams. Uh, we're the new kid on the block. Um, this is our first uh, time in the college football playoffs, but uh, something that we uh, obviously uh, look towards each and every year. Um, you know, we're, uh, you know, certainly uh, looking forward to an incredible matchup against a, a team in Clemson and a coach in Dabo Sweeney who's been here four years, um, knows what it's like. Um, and um, we'll have a great challenge, but we have a great respect for all of the coaches that are here. Um, they've done it before. Um, so um, we certainly uh, look at it each and every year as, as a, a goal for our football team. Um, it's a difficult one, but uh, one that uh, we all look forward to uh, in getting to this. So again, a great honor. Great to be with these coaches today and uh, looking forward to um, the challenge in front of us. All right, thank you. We'll open it up for questions. Again, please raise your hand and we will get a microphone to you. We'll start here on the far right, please. Coach Saban, Dan Matthews, 6A, the fan here in Atlanta. You seemingly every offseason have to replace coaches and you've seemed to have success being able to bring in new coaches and have them fit into what you guys try to do inside the building. Why do you think that is? Well, we've, we've been very fortunate to have some outstanding assistant coaches and uh, they've done a... Um, really good job for us uh, and I think because of the success that we've been able to sustain obviously they work hard as I worked hard when I was an assistant so you could have the next opportunity and we're certainly always happy for them uh, that they have uh, the opportunities to go on and be head coaches and um, I think that you love continuity on your staff but uh, I always look at this as uh, a, a challenge and an opportunity to add new energy, new enthusiasm, new ideas to your staff. Uh, we don't change our program. We don't hire people to come in and um, be independent contractors and do what they want to do. They sort of have to buy into what we do, but um, the new ideas, the new energy and enthusiasm that they bring is always very helpful to improving our program. So um, we're happy for those that get opportunities. Uh, we're happy to give opportunities to other people who can make a positive contribution to our program. All right, we'll go to the far left in the middle. Uh, Will Vandervoort with the Clemson Insider. Uh, Coach Sweeney, kind of along the same lines there, it's been the exact opposite for you. You've been able to keep that continuity and keep coaches in place. And how has that helped you? And, and, and how is the different contrast there with what Coach Saban was saying? Well, same thing. I mean, you know, we've had uh, a really good continuity over the past few years. We've had some change on our peripheral staff uh, and support staff and some things along the way. But, you know, uh, just two years ago, Marion Hobby uh, went to be the co-D coordinator, I guess, with the Jaguars. Dan Brooks retired, had been with me from day one. And so it gave me an opportunity to hire uh, Lemansky and, and Todd Bates and uh, to promote Mickey. So those were guys that had been kind of on – our staff in a support role, um, so created new opportunity for them, and so uh, you know it's it's good. But we've got several guys on our staff that that will have opportunities to be head coaches at some point, uh, whenever that time comes. And 
And, uh, you know, you hope that you do a good job in preparing them for that opportunity if they want to do that. And uh, uh, you wish them well. And then, you know, again, it's as he said, it's 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 great for them, but also an opportunity for you to, uh, you know, bring new energy in uh, to your building. We'll go to the center on the right aisle. Coach Saban, Dimitri Chin, Action Sports and News. Uh, with your offensive coordinator heading to Maryland at the end of this year, uh, how significant significant of a role did he play in helping develop an offensive scheme for Tua to thrive in? Well, I think the, the thing that our offensive staff did, and Mike made a great contribution to that, was um, we always try to adapt to what our players can do. And I think that always starts with the quarterback. Uh, but we said in the beginning of the season this year that we're going to have a different kind of team on offense because we have really good skill players, we've got good runners, uh, we've got a couple quarterbacks who can operate the way our guys have uh, in the system that we have. So. Uh, I think all of our coaches contributed to it, but I think Mike did a really good job of organizing that, and um, the players responded well to it. And, um, you know, we made a lot of explosive plays, and I'm, I'm sure Mike would tell you that we'd like to be more consistent at times, as all coaches would say, but um, we feel really pleased with what we were able to accomplish offensively, and Tua did a great job, as did Jalen, I think, improved, you know, dramatically this year as well. So. I think our entire staff did a did a really phenomenal job. We'll go back in the center, second row. E.P. Stedham, WHEP, AM and FM, Foley, Alabama. This is for all four coaches. What is the X factor you've seen in your opponent? Coach Kelly, we'll go ahead and start with you and work our way down. Well, you know, obviously, you know, when you when you talk about um, playing an opponent, it's it's the ability to close games out, the ability to know how to win. Um, and, and that's Clemson. They know how to win football games. They've been winning. And so, you know, I, I think everybody that's up here uh, has developed and built a winning culture within their football team. So you can't, you can't pin that on any one particular player. That's something that's within, you know, the fabric of, of the football program that's been built over time. So that would be the X factor. Uh, well, I would say they're they're battle tested. You know, they've been in some great uh, uh, venues this year, some unique places that they've had to go play. They've played some uh, uh, excellent teams, and uh, and they have they've they've had a lot of different challenges. Uh, I'm just kind of really diving in deeply into into their season, but um, they've had handled adversity. Uh, they've played with leads. They played. They've come from behind. They've done a little bit of everything. Uh, so I think the, just that overall experience that they've had this year, you can see a very confident football team. Uh, they're incredibly well coached. They don't make a lot of mistakes. And uh, uh, I think the balance that they have uh, really presents some problems. Uh, this quarterback and the change, we, we went through kind of a similar thing that, that they did. Uh, and their quarterback has, has just grown and grown and grown as the season has gone. So uh, I would just say the confidence and the fact that they're battle-tested and uh, from the experience that they've had this year, uh, you know, gives them every reason to be confident going into into this postseason. Yeah, tough to tough to narrow it down to one uh, when you start to to study Alabama and all they do well. Uh, thing I've seen from afar, and I don't want to act like I'm an expert on their program. I'm not in those walls day to day, but you see the unselfishness, you know, in that program. I mean the 
the most obvious notable example is, is Jalen Hurts, you know, and how how he handled that entire situation. I, I don't know if there's a coach in the country that doesn't look back at that and say, every kid, every college football player, every young football player out there, every six-year-old that's getting ready to play the game ought to see that story because that's we, we need more guys like him. And uh, so really impressed with how their whole program, you know, managed, you know, great players at different positions. And then as a team, I, the obvious thing would be to say that, you know, Alabama's certainly been – you know, more explosive offensively, you know, than they've, than they've been in a while. And they've been good offensively, no question. But this, this group's been different. And they're certainly, you know, fantastic defensively like they've been forever. So, uh, great challenge. But I you know, couldn't, couldn't say how – I could not be more impressed with Jalen Hurts, how he handled that just from afar. A uh, big fan of that kid and, and how that entire situation was managed. Well, I, I think that Oklahoma is a team that – certainly knows how to win. Uh, they've had some um, great games this year, high-scoring games where their defenses come through when they need to. Uh, but I do think this is one of the most dynamic teams that I've seen for a long, long time in terms of the way they play offense. I think, you know, Lincoln does a great job with their players. Uh, they've got some really explosive players. Uh, the quarterback's an explosive player. Uh, they can run the ball. They have great balance. Um, so, you know, I don't know that there's one particular thing uh, other than I think their players know how to win uh, and they've won a lot of close games uh, and they've come from behind in games. And uh, this, is a, this is a team that is as explosive as any as I've ever seen. And it's not – I mean, it's, it's designed that way. It's not like and, – and I think it's very difficult um, to stop a team like that. And I think that – Coach Riley does a great job, and their players believe in it and execute it extremely well. All right, we're going to go to the very far left on the aisle. Uh, Clinton Yates, ESPN. Coach Riley, do you mind telling me a little bit about what it's been like from an experience standpoint coaching Kyler in terms of him being you know, a two-sport guy and you know, sitting behind Bake and all that? Just what has it been like to have a guy like that in your program and come through and be such a leader on your team? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a joy. It's, it's been a challenge. Uh, I think we were – fortunate in the way that it unfolded, you know, first, you know, getting Kyler in his transfer year uh, as he sat, you know, got a chance just to get to know him, his makeup, you know, start to develop the relationship that you got to have between player and coach, you know, to be elite. Um, and then, you know, balancing the, the baseball and football, the biggest challenge was on him, of course, just to do it. Uh, it's, it's hard enough just to, we all know, you know, just to play college football at this level and balance that in academics is, remarkably hard by itself and then you add in a whole nother sport uh, I don't think people realize the challenge I mean every spring practice just about this year this guy would go through a full meeting a full football practice I'd get his reps done 10 minutes early so he could hustle over there and get five or six swings of BP and then go you know go play college baseball at a high level traveling back and forth uh, you know very few days off but but the kid did it and and we learned a lot from last year you know you look at kind of his success he didn't play much for us football-wise last year. When he did, he played well. But, you know, he had just an average year two years ago baseball-wise. And I really think we all learned, us, our baseball staff, and Kyler on how to manage it, you know, what is too much. And uh, because you've got to throw a bread like that, you've got to make sure and, and handle it the right way and set it up the right way. So I think we had a, a much better plan this year. I think Kyler had a much better mindset coming in. And you've seen the results, obviously, on the baseball field. And then certainly what he's done for us this year has been – has been pretty remarkable. 
We'll go to the center on the left and the back on the aisle. Dan Moriarty, CNN Sports. Uh, Coach Riley, it's uh, very rare to see a school win back-to-back -back Heismans. Uh, if Kyler were to achieve that a year, or this Saturday, a year after Baker did, uh, what would that mean? Yeah, tough to describe. You know, it's it's such a unique moment, you know, when your guy, you know, has a chance to win that. Uh, when, you know, it's it's been a great thing for our school. We've had, we've been very fortunate. We've had six, and uh, to have a chance to have the seventh would be, you know, really something special. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, it, you know, the Heisman, you know, goes to a great player, but you got to be on a great team. You know, there's not many Heisman winners on average teams. And so Kyler would be the first to tell you, you're, you know, you're proud of what this team's done, proud of what Kyler's been able to do, and, and that creates opportunities like this. So it's certainly – I don't want to downplay it. It's it's obviously a very significant award. Uh, means a lot to our program, would mean a lot to Kyler, I know. Um, but, yeah, to have a chance to have the guys back-to-back, -back, it's – yeah, you, you'd really never dream it, uh, but give those kids a credit, give those players credit around them. They've done a great job for a few years and, and given those guys those opportunities. We'll go to the right on the aisle. Barrett Salee, CBS. This is for Nick. I know Sunday at the teleconference you said it'd be a couple weeks for, for Tua. Uh, has that timeline changed, and just generally, how is he feeling? No, I think Tua is uh, right on schedule. Uh, this, the procedure they did usually takes two weeks for a guy to be able to um, have any explosive movement and then they go from there. So we'll see how he progresses from there. But um, we're pleased with the progress that he's made to this point. All right, we'll go to the center in the back row. Coach Saban, Dabo has said that there's Alabama and then the rest of y'all, and he's just glad to be on the rest of y'all bus. Just, but they've been here four years in a row now. Just your thoughts on kind of the program and what he's done at Clemson? Well, I think Clemson's got an outstanding program, an outstanding team. I think Dabo does. Um, you know, really, really good job on a consistent basis. Um, they have good players, but their players really play well. They're well coached. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, they execute well. Uh, it's a difficult preparation when you have to play against them. Uh, and I think they've been one of the most consistent, dominant teams, you know, throughout this entire season. Um, and, you, you know, I always say there's a lot of books written about how to be successful. Uh, there's not many written on how to stay successful. And uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the fact that they've been able to do it on a consistent basis and be here over and over and over and over and, and play at that high level all the time, not have any complacency in the program. And their players are continuing to try to play it to a high level and be the best players that they can be. And I think that's, that's a tribute to his coaches and their staff and himself. We'll go to the right in the center. Coach Saban, Robbie General, Outland Trophy. Uh, you guys have two members on the Outland watch list this year, two finalists. Um, could you just talk about how Quinnen has kind of developed this year into his role as, as a bench player last year to being one of the most prolific defensive linemen, and a little bit about Jonah, too, how he's been a leader since day one? Well, I think both those guys are, you know, hard workers, great competitors. Um, you know, they really want to be the best that they can be. Uh, I don't think they're motivated by just winning or uh, losing. I think they really legitimately uh, are perfectionists in terms of how they go about their work every day and how they want to improve. And uh, I think, you know, Q probably uh, has made as much progress as any player in our program uh, because of his work ethic and uh, the things that he's done to try to improve himself. He was an undersized guy that – 
uh, worked hard to get bigger and stronger, always was a good athlete and had good quickness. Um, Jonah has started uh, every game, I think, since he's been there uh, with us, and uh, he's a bright guy and um, really pays attention to detail, and uh, it shows in his play because he's a very, very consistent performer. So um, I, don't, I don't ever remember having two guys up for the same award. Uh, you hate to see your players compete for something, uh, but I think both guys would tell you that um, if they were fortunate enough to have the success, it would be because they play on a good team uh, and their teammates have supported them and helped them to grow and develop to be where they are. And uh, it would be probably kind of a team award for either one of them if they had success winning. We'll go to the center, second row. Trevor Groves, CUTigers.com. Question for all four coaches. Uh, obviously, the new redshirt rule has, has been a bit of a game changer this year. Um, I'd just like to know uh, how that has affected each one of your teams and if there's a player or two that you could name that you're redshirting uh, that you might be think would be able to help you in the playoff. We'll go back the reverse order. Coach Saban, if you could start, and we'll go down to Coach Kelly. Well, uh, it didn't really change much for us. I mean, we always tried to – we never predetermined redshirting anyone. Uh, we want to give everybody an opportunity in our program. Um, and I think after fall camp, we used to always have to say, well, we're going to go ahead and play this guy. We may play this guy if we need to play him uh, because he may not play enough to enhance his development. And then there's a group of guys here that probably need to get redshirted. The fact that you can play guys in four games – I think you still have the same categories, but you have a lot more flexibility in when you have to make those decisions. So um, other than that, I haven't seen a lot of change. You know, I hope this doesn't become something that, you know, players try to utilize to manipulate their career um, and that they always put the team first in terms of their development and um, what happens with their future. Yeah, I would agree. It, it, it really didn't change much of our approach. It, it does change the timeline. There were some some benefits. There were certainly some guys throughout the year uh, that we were able to play uh, in times when maybe we were lucky enough to get ahead in the game and you get some valuable game experience that you wouldn't have been able to get otherwise. So I think it will pay dividends for those guys as they move forward in their careers. Uh, some of the same concerns as, as Coach Saban on the the approach of players with it, you know, and, and that four-game uh, benchmark gets to be something that these players are really, really thinking about. And, and on one hand, you don't blame them. It is their careers. But at the same time, you know, this is a team game. And, uh, you know, so I was proud of the way our players approached it. We had a few guys throughout the year that were on the bubble of, of do they do it or not. And it was a legitimate question. And I thought one of the reasons this team is in the position it is is because those guys chose – what's best for the team. And they put their personal feelings aside. And so uh, appreciative of how our guys handled it and great example for our future players uh, as our program goes on. Yeah, same with us. Uh, we, we did not change our approach. Uh, we've always said the same thing. You know, we're going to play this guy. This guy's on the bubble. This guy's definitely going to redshirt. And, uh, you know, as we get toward the end of camp, because <clears throat> we want to give everybody the same opportunity. Uh, same thing, I don't ever go in with any preconceived notions, but uh, it was great. I, I loved it in that we were able to – we played every freshman, uh, was able to get some type of experience. Uh, and then even even a guy like Skous Jamie Skowski, uh, who broke a toe. So he's a veteran player, played as a true freshman, plays a true sophomore, really good player, a potential starter for us, uh, but, but broke a toe and was going to miss some time. 
So we saw it as an opportunity to maybe get a year back, and it was something he really wanted to do as well. Uh, so we've kind of now he 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 played in uh, he's played in two games, <clears throat> he's and he's he's green lighted now for two more games, and so it's kind of a big shot in the arm to be able to get a guy like that available here in the postseason uh, because because of this rule change, um, and uh, and then and then a guy like Justin Maskell, who is a young defensive end. Uh, that we've held all year. He's played in one game. Uh, so he's a guy also that I think, you know, could, could maybe help us here in the postseason. But uh, it's been good. I mean, it, it's there has been some unintended consequences that I don't, I don't know that many of us thought about. But uh, I think overall it's a, it's a good change. Yeah, I, I would agree with everybody in terms of, you know, we, we make most of those decisions, at, you know, early in the year and then kind of, progress relative to who's going to be redshirting, who's not. But, you know, there are some positives. So we lost a, a good player in the first game of the year. Um, we'll be able to get him back for this game, and then he'll have, you know, only two games and the potential to, you know, gain a year back because he wasn't, you know, redshirted. Um, we played a freshman quarterback that probably we would, we would not have played in, in mop-up duty. Um, you know, so you get a chance to get him out and get a little experience in those situations. But I think, by and large, I think it's it, it, it really hasn't changed the landscape. It gives you, you know, maybe a little inventory on special teams here and there. But I think, by and large, it's been it's been a good rule. We have time for two more questions. We'll go to the right on the aisle. Uh, Coach Saban, Alex Glaze with Eleven Alive. Saturday after the SEC championship game, you said Georgia was one of the top four teams in the country, and then your coach's poll, you voted them fifth. Just curious what went into that change in mind. Well, I do think they're one of the top four teams in the country, but I don't think they were going to get in the playoff with two losses. Um, so uh, I voted the teams that I thought had the best chance to get in. Uh, but I do think after playing Georgia, they were one of the best four teams in the country. Uh, what this basically indicates is the SEC championship game was a playoff game. So. Um, you know, the one and four team in the country played, and it was a heck of a game, and uh, they played a great game, and they have a great team, and I think they're one of the best four teams in the country. And that's no disrespect to any of the people that are here, but I don't, I didn't think they had a chance to get in with two losses. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. I'm saying what I said, and I'm not changing what I said. When we played Georgia, I thought they were one of the best four teams in the country. That doesn't mean that they're any better than the teams that are here, and I voted for the four teams that are here. Is that correct? Okay. All right, we'll take our final question on the far left in the middle. Uh, Ivan Mazel, the ESPN.com. Lincoln, if Ryan Day was going to look around for somebody who's been through what he's about to go through, he'd look at you replacing a legendary coach being promoted to do so. What's the best advice having gone through that first year you could give him? Well, I think you, it's a challenge. I think you, I think more than anything, you've got to, you got to believe in yourself. You got to be yourself. Uh, that was the best advice that I got from coach Stoops when this happened, you know, he was, I'm lucky he was always has been and still is there, you know, when, when a, Anything comes up that I need to pick his brain about, and that happens often. And uh, I'm very, very appreciative for that. I know in a lot of situations it, it, it doesn't work that smoothly. And uh, so you're going to have a lot of great people around you, a lot of great opinions. But at the end of the day, 
you know, they, they hired you because they believe in you. And so you need to you need to be yourself. You can't try to be the guy that was there before you or what everybody thinks you're supposed to be. Uh, you gotta you gotta do it the, the way that you believe is right. Trust your instincts and uh, you know, I think he'll I think he'll do a phenomenal job. He's he's done it there. He's set up there at a at a tremendous program. There's certainly challenges, expectations, all that that comes with it, but you know, that's uh, that's why you want to coach at places like this, uh, because you, you have challenges, but you also have great opportunities, and I'm sure he'll do a fantastic job. Not a lot of, I guess you could say, bulletin board material there, but some good perspective on all four teams as we get set for December 29th. Back at it on Tuesday for the game plan. I urge you, if you haven't had a chance yet, it's been our most listened to podcast in the history of the Sooner Sports Podcast. It is the post-game show from Saturday after the Texas game, the win in the Big 12 Championship. It's fun. We talk to as many players as we possibly can. By the way, I'm still kicking myself because there's two guys I didn't get to talk to. I didn't get to talk to Trey Norwood, and I didn't get a chance to talk to Robert Barnes. Those were the two guys that we didn't get on that I'm still kicking myself about, but a fun interview with Kyler Murray, Good stuff on the field after the championship. Download it. Listen to it on Saturday when there's no game outside of Army-Navy and just bathe yourself in the success of Sooner football. Also, we should mention our red carpet charter is what's on tap. There is a lot going on in the Sooner Nation this weekend. So even though football may have wrapped up, we still have tons going on. We do have one postponement though the wrestling match which was slated for Friday night has been postponed it hasn't been canceled it's merely been postponed due to the threat of the severe weather that's rolling in so that South Dakota State matchup tomorrow night will not happen game on Saturday morning 11 a.m. at the peak the Chesapeake Energy Arena 11 a.m. Oklahoma hosting Wichita State still tickets available to that the Sooner Wrestling match against Oklahoma State on Sunday at 12.30. In Stillwater is still on. That will be televised on ESPNU. And the Oklahoma Women's Basketball Showdown with DePaul this Sunday at 2 o'clock, all on as scheduled. And speaking of Friday night, there may be the cancellation with the wrestling match. But the good news, we have the Women's Gymnastics Interest Squad that is going on. They'll open up the gates at 6.30 over at the Gymnastics Center. And, of course... There's free pizza, and through the first 150 fans, free tickets to the first two home meets of the season. So check that out right now at Soonersports.com, and get out and support the Sooners this week. And all right, game plan as scheduled on Tuesday. Toby will join us. It'll be fun. Can't wait. Have a great weekend. And until Tuesday in the game plan, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane? Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.